0: Hello, you are listening to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our Portland studio apartment is Sarah Jensen, my wife. Hello. We're back in we Portland. Did it. Last episode, we were in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, in between time, we have traveled. <laughs> we're here now. Uh, Deeply Curious is produced by Christian B. Schmidt and associate produced by Greg and Christy Jensen and Jeff Stevens. With additional support from the staff and crew members of the Jensen A.V. Club. Um, if you don't know what the Jensen A.V. Club, that is our Patreon page. It's where you can get deeper access, exclusive content, and just support the art that you love. Mm-hmm. And if you want to check that out and learn more, you can go to JensenAV.Club. Simple. club. <laughs> um, this episode is titled, Things We Learned on the Road. Yes. Because this summer, we've put some miles on the road.
1: Uh, several thousand. <laughs> yes.
0: So uh, in June, yes, we went from New York City mm-hmm. to Washington, D.C., to Oklahoma, to the Grand Canyon, to L.A., and then all the way up the California coast to Portland. Yes. I don't know how many miles that is, but that's a lot. Yeah, like four plus thousand. Yeah, um, but probably more than that. I should have calculated that before I started this podcast. <laughs> um, but then uh, three weeks ago, you know, we're close to four weeks now. Uh, we, I got hired to go to Mississippi, um, to do a video job, and they were going to fly me out, but um, the company that hired me to do that um, is based out of Tulsa, and we wanted to go basically to take advantage of the paid trip. Uh, we wanted to stop in Oklahoma and see family and friends. Um, since we live in Portland now, and won't be able to see them very often.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so instead of flying me out, I had them give me the travel budget, and Sarah and I drove from Portland to Oklahoma. And then uh, while Sarah, Sarah stayed in Tulsa, I also was in a car from Tulsa to Jackson, Mississippi. And back. And back. So uh, we- That was
1: another- what three thousand round trip or something like that?
0: yeah, easily, yeah, so we have put thousands and thousands of miles uh on the road this summer.
1: We made up for our two and a half years of not driving once yes. in new york
0: <laughs> so i didn't I didn't drive a car for uh two years, and then i I uh, saved it all up, used it at the same time, yeah uh this the last couple weeks, so it was a great trip. uh one of the things that happens when you're on the road is you're sitting there. You're bored. You're looking out the window, and you see something, or you think about something, and then you ask the people in the car with you, "Hey, why does this thing look like that? Hey, what is that thing? Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, what the the population of this place is." You just have all these curious thoughts.
1: That's mostly my thing is population of places we drive through, because most places on the road are so tiny. I'm like, mm-hmm. How many people live here? And then it's like two.
0: <laughs> so I could be that's a good place to start. One of the things that we uh learned on the road. Well, I guess before I jump into that. So that's the premise of this episode is yeah. that there are dozens of things that on the road this summer we were like, "Hey, I wonder blank." Mhm. We in because we have the power of the internet at our fingertips
1: most of the time. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> other than in uh rural Except areas. For when I'm on 1x, yes.
1: whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, We were able to look this stuff up and uh, learn some things. One thing was we drove through Wyoming Mm -hmm. uh, on our way back to Oklahoma from Portland. And it is a barren land.
1: Yeah. On the way to Oklahoma, because we drove through Wyoming both times and different each time. On the way there, though, we were in Wyoming for like three hours or four hours and didn't drive through a single town. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is this place? (laughs) So then we started doing all of our research.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we looked it up. And Wyoming is uh, the state is the 10th largest state by area. Mm -hmm. um, But it is the least populous. Mm -hmm. So the 10th largest, but the least amount of people with only... 577,000 people.
1: Yeah. Actually, in the whole state. It's the second least populous because Alaska is number one. That's no, what I read.
0: The, um, but that's by density.
1: Oh, right. Yes. By density, there's because, like, because Alaska six people. is,
0: is going to be like the largest state. I think it's the number one largest. You're but right. It has, if you're talking population density, Alaska has like-
1: Less than two people per square mile. Yes. And Wyoming has like six people per square mile. Right.
0: But yeah. overall has way less people. Yes. So only a half a million people live in the whole state yeah. of Wyoming, even though it's massive. Um, and it's also the uh, the capital city mm-hmm. of Wyoming is Cheyenne and uh, has 63,000 people in the largest- City, the capital city is 63,000 people.
1: That's what (laughs) baffles me (laughs) because I'm like, I mean, the town we grew up in in Oklahoma had 50,000 people. So it's not that much bigger than the tiny nowhere town we grew up in. And I can't imagine like it's it's funny to me uh, to imagine people in Wyoming like move into the big city. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like I, that's funny to me, because <laughs> it's so little.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that that was the one of the first things on our way to Oklahoma that uh, intrigued us. Uh-huh. Or, that we looked up. Um, so uh, there's a few. We I, I have a whole huge list. I don't know if we'll be able to make through most of it, but one of the first things we thought of on our way from new york um on our trip was we started talking about the difference between hotels and motels
1: yes because your mom was so adamant about not staying in a motel or yes. a, a hotel with outside doors right. a, a place with outside doors which she, which is she, what we
0: considered a motel that's basically right. the way we were thinking about it is like okay so a motel has doors on the outside. A hotel has doors on the inside. That right. was like our thing. Yeah. And then we started looking it up. And while that is a general factor.
1: It's not. Though. Of
0: a hotel motel. Because the reason we looked it up is we booked a hotel online and we showed up and mm-hmm. the doors were on the outside. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> booked a hotel it says right here this is the blank and blank suites hotel Mm -hmm. but the doors are on the outside um so we looked it up and the specific things are that uh hotels this is kind of a general kind of uh description hotels can contain hundreds of rooms and several floors and generally have staircases elevators and internal corridors that lead to the rooms motels commonly have one or two floor layout And guests access the rooms directly from the parking lot. The thing that we kind of found the most, I don't know, curious or fascinating Mm -hmm. um, uh, was that the word motel is actually a what do you call that uh, the squished together word there's, there's like a specific <laughs> word you know that you call words like that i
1: like squished together yeah word.
0: yeah the scientific proper word mm-hmm. is a, a squish together squished together word um <laughs> is that it is the squished together word of motor hotel yes because you motor in motor out right you drive up and it's basically a roadside hotel is a motel Um, And the thing that really distinguishes it is the services offered.
1: Right. Like if there are amenities like um, breakfast breakfast or a pool or whatever, then it's a hotel. But if there are no amenities, it's just straight. You're sleeping here and then you're leaving. It's a motel. Yeah. Which is really the big difference because the hotel that we stayed in that looked like a motel was, I mean, it, it was like the two floors doors on the outside, you drive straight up to, you know, whatever, but they offered breakfast and all of these other things.
0: Hotel style amenities. It essentially was a motel disguising itself as a hotel.
1: Yeah. Maybe it used to be a motel and then they were like, ooh, let's add some breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I thought that was fascinating because I think mostly growing up, there's a a very negative connotation to motel Mm -hmm. versus hotel and
0: which holds up cuz i mean a motel is a cheaper place to stay yeah but
1: it's technically only cheaper because they're not offering other right. it's not extended stays yeah. you know you're just like driving in for the night so i guess yes motels typically are not as nice like they're not kept clean things like that but that doesn't have to be the case right. i guess is what i'm saying like i always thought oh a motel is is gross but that's not necessarily what it, what it means.
0: Yeah. So uh, the next thing is really uh, fascinating to me. It is uh, the concept of a correction line. Mm-hmm. So in rural America, and especially in the plains, because it is uh, plain and nothing <laughs> is around, and it is a flat, very, barren very land. Very boring. And so yeah. there, there is not um, mountains or hills or lakes or anything in the way uh, of a road going perfectly straight. So back in the day, I don't know the exact year. I wasn't curious about that part. Um, <laughs> whenever they were designing uh, cities, designing you know the yeah. plots and all that type of stuff, they you know wanted to make it. I think they call this the Jefferson Grid, and Essentially, which would probably, whatever uh, years Jefferson was in office, this mm. is probably when this happened. Uh, i just putting this all together. <laughs> so uh, they, to lay out like plots of land, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense to make them a grid, make land them squares square. and say a mile by a mile, that is one uh, plot, uh, you know, a certain acreage and you can have that plot and the next person, their mile by mile square, they can have that one and you can lay out your cities and your farms in that way. The problem with that theory is, we don't live on a piece of paper. We live-
1: Unless you're a flat earther.
0: Right, but this is definitive evidence right now, if you are a flat earther, (laughs) this proves that the flat earth doesn't exist. Because we live on a sphere, almost a perfect sphere. And if you were to take a grid of squares, Mm -hmm. and lay them on a globe, your north and south, your up and down lines, Are If you keep going straight, they're going to all converge at the North Pole. So your squares are going to get uh, more and more squished at the top as Mm -hmm. you get closer to the North Pole. So if you have a highway or any road going north and south and you just keep going north and you just make it a perfectly straight road, then you will actually start running into all the other roads Right. That are also going north.
1: Right, because everything will bend, sort of together yes, and yeah.
0: and converge. So there is, if you've ever been driving in a rural area of America and you're going north or south on this road, and it's a perfectly straight road, it's not doing anything, and then all of a sudden there's an S curve in the road, or if you're in a a really rural road, all of a sudden it's it's you're in the middle of nowhere. And you just come to an intersection, a T intersection, where the road just stops. Mm-hmm. You have to turn right or left and then go about, you know, maybe a half mile or so and then continue north um, or south. And there's no – when you're in the moment, there's no logical reason for there to be this jog right, in the road. because
1: it's just a field. Like it, It's like, well, I mean, there's just a field in front of you. Why can't you just go through the right. field? And
0: yeah. so it kind of seems like, well, maybe they just own that piece of land. They don't want a road going through it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But more so what – fascinated me or well, the reason it made us think about it is because we were on this perfectly straight road and it kept having these S-curves. Mm-hmm. You're like, what the heck are these S-curves for? So essentially what that is, is it's just a curve in the road every 24 miles mm-hmm. to correct for the curvature of the earth. Yeah. Um, because if they kept going straight, all the roads would run into each other. So every 24 miles, there's a jog in the road to continue it going parallel to the other roads that are also going north and south.
1: Yeah. I wonder how they figured that out. Like if it was just pure math. They didn't even have computers or, back then. Well, that what I'm saying is that people were
0: so much smarter back in the day.
1: Oh yeah. Was it pure math or was it trial and error? <laughs> they were laying the roads and they're like, Oh no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How do we get
1: to, you know, 80 when we were at mm-hmm. uh, 77 or whatever. <laughs> the
0: first two roads that they put in is yeah. like, wait, we started like nine miles apart. Exactly. <laughs> we can wave at you now. <laughs> um, I think the every 24 miles part is was picked a little arbitrarily. I, I may be wrong on that, but from what I read, it wasn't like there was a scientific formula. They were like, okay, if we put the jog every 24 miles, mm-hmm. then it will, you know, I think they could have chosen anything within that range, but to keep all surveyors mm-hmm. doing the, you know, on this, it's kind of like the universal language of surveying that, you know, right. you go a certain, you go 24 miles, then you make your jog that way all all roads are the same right um so yeah that was um
1: it's pretty fascinating Fascinating. who thinks about the curvature of the earth when you're you know right building things (laughs) well i guess people who build things but (laughs) yeah
0: so uh flat earthers um not that you need there is way better evidence for a um But this is just another thing to add to the list. But, you know, just Google correction line and then, you know, email me your uh, conspiracy theory of who made up correction lines and why they, (laughs) you know, how many people were involved in making it seem as though the earth is round. Yeah. Next, we on. So this one was on the way from Portland to uh, Oklahoma. We were driving through Idaho and uh, it was kind of in Idaho and Wyoming, but I noticed it in Idaho because there were so many along The sides of the highway, there was like the first time I saw it it was kind of on an overpass where, you know, there there's a a road going over the road I was traveling on. And on each side of the overpass road, you know, there's the hills that come down Mm -hmm. um, on each side of the bridge. And on those hills, there were these. Just kind of random wood fences that like didn't
1: pallets almost, but
0: yeah, if you like took a, a like a pallet that you use to carry goods on a truck and just kind of stood scaled it. that up about ten times and then stood it up as at an angle and then put scattered maybe ten more of them around, but not connected, mm-hmm. just around, yeah, and they were kind of all facing the same direction. And I was like, what the heck is that? That's not keeping anything in or out. That's yeah. for sure.
1: It like seemed like they should have been solar panels. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> that's, I almost thought they were for a second. I was like, "The that looks like it would be a solar panel, but it's wood. So definitely so not, not a solar panel. Um, But then as we kept driving, we kept seeing them more and more. And then we started seeing like long lines of them.
1: And especially in Wyoming, it was yeah. long lines.
0: Yeah. So through Idaho, I noticed it. We went to Wyoming and it started noticing more. And I was like, I was driving. So I was like, Sarah, look up. What the random wood things are on the side of Wyoming and Idaho roads? Uh, I don't know. What, I don't even know have a frame of reference, to like what to look up for these things. Anyways, we uh, were able to find it, and they are. It's a snow fence. Mm-hmm. So a. Uh, snow fence, uh, this is off Wikipedia, is similar to a sand fence. It's a barrier that forces wind-blown drifting snow to accumulate in a desired place. They are primarily employed to minimi- minimize the amount of snow drift on roadways and railways. So that explains mm-hmm. on the overpass next to the highway why there were so many of these because it's to keep snow drift off of the road. But then also I was seeing them in fields like way far away from the road and in... Uh, almost, like multiple lines of them, mm-hmm. like stacked deep. So yeah. you'd have a line close to the road and then maybe go like a couple hundred yards and there's another one, go another couple hundred yards, there's another one. It's like, that is odd. Um, and that is because farmers and ranchers use snow fences to create drifts in basins for a ready supply of water in the spring. Um, ski resorts also use snow fences in order to increase snow depth in uh, specified areas um, or for avalanche control. So- that's that's what those things are. If you're mm-hmm. ever driving down the road and you see this like random huge pallet looking thing leaning at an angle,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's a snow fence. Um, yeah. And if I was to – whenever I read that they were uh, for snowdrifts, I was thinking that, okay – It's standing up and it's uh, facing a certain direction at a, I don't know what the angle is, you know, 80 degree angle, 45 degree angle, something. (laughs) It's at an angle. I was thinking that the snow would be blowing and it would accumulate on that angle and then like fall down uh, in front of it. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. Snow fences work by causing turbulence in the wind such that it drops much of its snow load on the backside of the fence, Oh. Thus, the snow fence actually causes snow drifts rather than preventing them. The fences are placed um, so as to cause a snow drift where it is beneficial or not harmful so that the snow does not drift into undesired areas such as roads or oncoming mm. buildings or uh, or among buildings. And that was fascinating to me yeah. as well.
1: Well, I wonder how because after we learned that we started seeing i think it was in colorado actually they build um snow fences but out of trees and there's signs it's like mm-hmm. living snow fence you know whatever yeah but the trees can't make it accumulate
0: uh i don't know i mean
1: maybe it's just cuz it's prettier
0: <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't look that part of it up but yeah so the snow fence causes the way the wind Hits the snow fence. Yeah. It doesn't make. It doesn't stop the snow. Makes like
1: a little storm. Yeah, like right makes, behind it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Interesting. Well, and we stopped somewhere in Wyoming at a rest stop uh, to stretch our legs, and they had a sign. It was like at the top of a mountain of some sort. Mm-hmm. Remember, and it said that the wind up there gets up to seventy miles an hour in the winter, or I'm something not, like yeah, that. it was. It was but it's like freezing winds. In, in the snow. And so that's why like all of those snow fences are there. So it can control it, hopefully staying off the road for as long as possible. Because they have to close those roads like every year. Yeah. It's fascinating. Humans are sometimes ingenious.
0: Sometimes. <laughs> so we have never driven through the northwestern part of the United States before. So we had never seen snow fences. Yeah. To some of you, you might be like, uh, of course. Yeah, we have Those have been around since, you know. The dawn of age, <laughs> but since we have never driven over there, it was uh rather puzzling to us, yeah, um, another thing whenever we were driving into California, um we started noticing that as soon as we went to California, there were two speed limit signs, mm-hmm. one that said like seventy five or sixty five whatever it was, and then there would be one underneath that that would say trucks fifty five
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I was after I saw that enough times, I started getting curious of like why
1: why do they have to have, drive so. why are we
0: driving two different speeds here like that doesn't really make sense to me um so that's the california split speed um and it's also in a few other states but it was in california when i looked it up and in california the kind of the legislation the reason that they made trucks uh, a different speed limit is because it was you know basically believed or there's evidence that larger vehicles take longer to stop in an emergency Mm -hmm. so because they take longer to stop they need to go slower than the other traffic so that all the traffic can stop at the same time right the problem with that as i found as i was reading through these articles um and I didn't like do a deep dive search on both sides of the issue, but most of the things that I found were on the side that California is stupid and they need to get rid of it. Um, <laughs> but also the trucking industry is massive and they might have a lot of propaganda behind this. But anyways, <laughs> they're, uh, so most accidents are caused by cars moving at different speeds. Oh so
1: yeah, that makes sense. To
0: have a whole lane of traffic where trucks are going 55 and all the cars are going you know 65 70 miles an hour right th- that's going actually going to cause probably more accidents than a truck not being able to stop as fast as a car can because all the cars going faster now have to dodge slow moving trucks yeah another uh counterpoint to it was that highway on ramp is uh supposed to allow merging vehicles to get up to highway speeds but the rightmost lanes are filled with slow moving trucks and large vehicles so that those vehicles moving onto the highway must slow down, and during high traffic times, come to a complete stop mm-hmm. and wait for their turn to get on the highway, which is dangerous. Right. And traffic accident studies have shown that eighty to ninety percent of all freeway accidents happen on on ramps and off ramps. Yeah. Because of the rapidly changing speed of the traffic.
1: Interesting. I I knew that th- that most accidents happen on on and off ramps. Because coming from Tulsa um is very much that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Tulsa on ramps are insane.
1: But I never really considered that it's because of the differing speeds.
0: Right. And so I mean basically if you were to think about it, um in the future, whenever cars drive themselves or can at least communicate to each other, are we're gonna be able to increase our highway speeds significantly mm-hmm. because if all cars can go the exact same speed Right. Then our accidents are—it's going to be much safer. Yeah, because it's—it's it's the unpredictability of speed, um, right. or, or the you know difference in speed that causes the accidents. Human error, right? Yeah. So. Uh, all that to say, uh, I was curious about um, highway speeds. I looked it up, and apparently this is a uh, highly debated um, thing among Californians <laughs> and other states that have split highway <laughs> speeds, and it actually potentially uh, causes more accidents than the accidents that they're trying to prevent by making trucks go slower.
1: Interesting.
0: But also, disclaimer, I was you know, curious about this stuff, but my education did not go deeper than like, the first paragraph of wikipedia so
1: but um, also i don't think that's a bad thing like if we want to talk about curiosity for a second no
0: i'm just saying if you're listening to this podcast like uh maybe before you get into an argument with somebody uh do a little more research Uh, (laughs) oh yeah um You know, because it's uh, it's enough, basically, it's enough information to get you in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, Versus, It's like, oh, here's a curious thing I learned, but not like, here's a curious thing I know for a fact and should debate other people about it, (laughs) that type of thing. Okay. So as we kept driving through uh, these rural areas, um, America is uh, the world, really. Mm -hmm. We're we're on on a bit of a green energy revolution, Mm -hmm. and so you're starting to see like a lot of uh wind turbines yes and so wind in wind energy is having an upswing which is great and that seeing these wind turbines more and more um got me curious about how big these things are because you'll yeah. see semis driving down the road with the blades on in a oversized load you know driving and down it's the road
1: off the end
0: and they have these massive extended trucks driving this thing down and then you start looking at them swinging around in the air and you're like, wait a second, how big is this thing? A windmill, the arms are longer than two full semi trucks. Mm-hmm. If you put them, uh, you know, if you have the the, uh, the truck and the trailer yeah. and then you take another truck and trailer and bump it up with it, the uh, blade, one blade mm-hmm. is that long or even longer. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a large utility scale turbine um, can have blades over 165 feet long.
1: It's insane.
0: Um, so if you were to think about the whole scale of it, the diameter, if you're, you know, multiple blades, uh, the circle it is making is 325 feet or 100 meters mm. more than the length of a football field. Wow. So if you're talking about a football field and you just put a uh, axle in the mm-hmm. middle of a football field and then spin it.
1: That's what it is.
0: That is the turbine.
1: Do you know what I found myself thinking about these windmills, though? What? I'm a huge proponent of them. I'm glad that wind energy is, you know, becoming a thing and all of that stuff. It's obviously very needed for our world. Mm -hmm. Um, But whenever we were driving through all these beautiful places, (laughs) they kind of ruined the photos. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're trying to take a a pretty picture of like a a flat uh, flat top, like mountain or hill mm-hmm. or whatever in Wyoming, and there's just these like windmills sticking up at the top, like kind of ruins it. Yeah,
0: I was thinking that too, but then I was starting to think like we need to start seeing these as beauty because
1: we're they're harnessing save the earth. clean energy. Yeah,
0: versus like obviously oil is doesn't really obstruct the eye much because it's typically you know the oil uh what do you call the offshore drilling is obviously runs the skyline of an ocean but most right. like oil derricks and things like that are in just fields are not very tall I don't really like right I mean really they're kind of aesthetically pleasing like if you have a field with an oil derrick and it, it's, it's kind like of nostalgic how- or something
1: yeah
0: um which I guess would be what I'm just saying that it maybe just and like it, an oil derrick in the middle of a field has become picturesque maybe now a windmill eventually in
1: a bit of time yeah will yeah. be picturesque a whole field of windmills very cool mm-hmm. like super fun you know whatever but it's just like those few that sit on top of mm-hmm. of the hills that I'm like man yeah <laughs>
0: so what i whenever we were looking seeing these windmills I started like Counting how fast the blades were going around. yeah, um, so I would wait until it hit the bottom and it was in line with the tower that the mm-hmm. windmill was on. um and I would count one Mississippi two Mississippi three, Mississippi, four Mississippi, and it was always almost always right at the end of four Mississippi, um or in, in or maybe five. And so um, and then I started thinking, okay, if these arms are as long as two, Semi trucks Mm -hmm. strapped together. That's two semi trucks being swung around
1: in in a circle
0: in four to five seconds. Yeah. It's just, it's insane. The scale is insane. Mm -hmm. And while we're on the topic of semi trucks, I also got um, curious about why we call them semis. Mm -hmm. And so I looked that up and we call them a semi because it's short for semi trailer and it's called a semi-trailer opposed to a full trailer because a full trailer has two axles and a uh, versus a semi-trailer only has the rear axle
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it rests on the coupling plate or the fifth wheel of the tractor unit gotcha so a a trailer or a full trailer would be uh, let's just t- take like a a childhood drawing picture of this. If you were to draw a circle in the front, a circle in the back, and then put a you know a board a plank across it, that would be a trailer. And you, mm-hmm. you would pull it from one side or the other behind something. But a semi trailer only has the one circle in the back, mm-hmm. and you set the front of it on uh, the coupling plate, basically on top of the wheels of a different piece of uh, equipment, right. the tractor. It pulls it, so then it becomes a semi trailer, and then we just shortened it to being a semi. Hmm. But then also, uh the I, whenever I read that the truck, I was thinking, okay, so the truck itself is called a tractor, um, which is why you hear some people call them tractor trailers, because oh. the unit together, the front, the tractor or the truck mm-hmm. is what we would typically call it. Yeah, um, is is the tractor, and then the trailer is the thing it's pulling. Together, it makes one unit called the tractor trailer.
1: Interesting. I don't know that I would have ever thought uh, to call that a tractor.
0: I definitely would not. I mean, I just called it a truck or a semi, but... Yeah. But what's funny... Well, I always
1: called them semis.
0: But what what is interesting, though, if you think about it, if, and, if the truck does not have the trailer on it and you call it a semi, it's not correct because...
1: I was about to say, and even if there's not a trailer on it, I still call it a semi truck.
0: Right. Also, some people call it an 18-wheeler, um, which you... Um, it's oh, pretty yeah. self-explanatory of why it's called and if you can't figure out why it's called an 18-wheeler um
1: because they're 18 wheels <laughs> <on it. laughs> yeah
0: so yeah that that was my um expression. that is fascinating
1: because sometimes we just say things and we have no idea what it actually it's like those um those old sayings that they have that like your grandma always right. says to you you know right i kn- you, you don't even really know what it means but you know you know right. from context what it means. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know the connotation of what it what it, like it means, but then you break down the actual phrase and you're like,
1: what, what? <laughs> exactly? That's like a semi truck. <laughs>
0: yeah, but then that also got me thinking about okay, so it's called a semi trailer because it only has one axle or you know yeah, it has, technically has two um, in the back, but it doesn't have the front. And almost all trailers are that way. Yeah, um, I mean even yeah, you're right. Even your boat trailers, your just regular car Ye-hawls. haulers, like all of those trailers like only have you know, the one set of axles on the rear. So all almost all trailers are semi-trailers. You rarely see mm. a, a full trailer. But we don't call those semi-trailers. We just call them trailers. It's
1: like the, the term was technical, but then we just adopted it to mean this, you know, a semi-truck, what mm-hmm. a semi-truck is.
0: And then also I was just – I literally just thought of this. Is it called a trailer because it's trailing you? You hook it up behind you and it trails oh. you?
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well. Another you, thing to, to Google, no, I guess. You
0: guys can look that up and do your own, <laughs> own podcast of things I uh, learned listening to a different podcast. Um, <laughs> so th- when we were going through California, another thing that we learned um, was that the, about the world's tallest tree. Yes. Um, if you were to ask me, hey, Cody, where's the world's tallest tree? I would say, I don't know, Brazil. <laughs> i mean that's where i can think of like you know maybe in the amazon
1: mm, in the amazon <laughs> uh
0: the, there would <laughs> not be,
1: anymore it's gone
0: oh yeah <laughs> sad um
1: <laughs> too soon
0: the like amazon or something like that or yeah the, like, i don't know just some I just, you I know, never rainforest would have
1: croatia or, right or
0: something, something. <laughs> like i never would have thought like Oh yeah, in Northern California is the world's tallest tree. Spoiler alert, the world's tallest tree is in Northern California uh, (laughs) in the redwoods. Um, So the tallest trees in the world are the redwoods, like in general, um, redwood trees are the tallest in the world.
1: Which I did not know. Potentially you learn that in elementary school when they teach you the song, you know, from the redwood forest to the Gulf Stream waters. Potentially you learn that, but I didn't know. That's insane. I kind of thought- Um, maybe this is just my bias against America, (laughs) but I kind of thought like America didn't really have that much to offer Mm -hmm. in regards to, you know, world beauty. Like I know there's pretty places in America, but like compared to wherever else I thought, nah, we don't have anything really until we went on the California coast from between Big Sur and, uh, the Redwoods. Yeah. I was like, oh wow, this is like second to Iceland that I've seen in my Mm -hmm. whole life, you know? It was insane.
0: Yeah, so uh, redwood trees can easily reach heights of 300 feet and among the redwoods, a tree named Hyperion dwarfs them all and the tree was discovered in 2006 and it is 379 feet tall.
1: But you know what I love is that they will not tell you where it is. Yes. Because they, are tr- they want to protect it. Right. And I, that goes into a whole conversation of the pros and cons of tourism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love that they, they won't tell us. So like we potentially could have seen the tallest tree in the world and we'll just never know it.
0: Yeah. They actually keep all of the documented tallest trees in the Redwood Forest secret to mm-hmm. protect them from vandalism. Um, cause there's more, basically there's like the tallest one and then it's sister. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like a little bit shorter. Um, but if, like, if we were talking about this in relation to the windmills, yeah, 379 feet, mm-hmm. the, uh, diameter, if you remember, like the full wingspan of a windmill, uh, is 325 feet. Yeah. So it is 50, a little mm-hmm. over 50, um, feet taller than a full spread of the windmill.
1: Yeah. It's actually unfathomable how tall that is. You know what I mean? I can't even I mean, even when we were in the redwoods and just seeing, you know, the regular size redwood trees, <laughs> I was blown away. Like that that's so tall compared to I mean, regular trees you see outside your window every day mm-hmm. are are tall trees. Yeah. And these are just next level. Also, yeah. a lot of the trees in the redwoods can be a thousand plus years old. Mm-hmm. Like not hundreds, thousands.
0: Yeah, I read that the, um, generally speaking, redwoods would live between like 500 and 700 years. Mm-hmm. But there are some that are thousands of years old.
1: Like we saw one that was 1500 years old.
0: Yeah, old granny.
1: Mhm. I can't even fathom that. Like that's insane. Redwoods are so cool.
0: <laughs> and put that into perspective, that means that almost all of the redwoods um were here hundreds of years before America was even founded.
1: Yeah. It was um also really cool in the redwoods, they if a tree falls and like falls into the path or whatever, they just like carve it out <laughs> so you mm-hmm. can walk through it. And so there would be like these massive tree stumps that were just like laying over and to try and like put your arm span like across the diameter was literally impossible. Like they're so, so big. Yeah. It was really cool to see that America has nature that will legitimately take your breath away. Not just like, Oh, that's so pretty, but like legitimately I can't even speak. This is insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was cool.
0: Um, Speaking of being left speechless, um, you can't pump your own gas in Oregon um, or, <laughs> or in New Jersey. Jersey. There are uh, two states in our 50-state um, country mm-hmm. that have made the decision that um, – you cannot pump your own gas.
1: Right, because gasoline is a dangerous chemical or something.
0: Right. Um, so we, we learned about New Jersey when we moved to New York because we had to drive through New Jersey to get to New York City, and we stopped to get gas, and I got out like you do, and the person was like you know, t- like stopping me and telling me, yeah, you can't you pump can't your own gas that. here. You can't do yeah. And I was like, I'm an American. I can do whatever I want. Thank you very much.
1: Also, it's really funny when you think about it because in – everywhere else when you turn 16 they're like oh yeah Mm -hmm. hand over all the dangerous chemicals (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and so uh oregon um is also another state that you cannot pump your own gas so we learned that as we moved here Mm -hmm. um that you can't and so i looked that up of like okay why Mm -hmm. um essentially every single piece of legislation the reasons that they keep people from uh pumping their own gas Is because it is a class one flammable liquid. Mm -hmm. And basically I found like 10 different um, reasons, Mm -hmm. excuses, whatever you want to say of why people shouldn't pump their own gas. And every one of them is... The backbone of it is because it's a class one flammable liquid. Right. Um, just somebody who is untrained, unlicensed, shouldn't handle a class one flammable liquid. You know, it, it can, you know, there everything had to do with safety and keeping un- Which, people who shouldn't be handling um, yeah. a class one flammable liquid, you know, from doing that.
1: And to be fair, I have seen my fair share of people driving off from the gas pump with the pump still in their car and ripping it out of the station and, you know, all of these things. But have you ever seen anybody
0: burn down a a station or their car or themselves?
1: No. What I was going to say is that I have seen people not be careful, Mm -hmm. but I have never seen anybody catch fire from it. So I feel like we're probably fine. 48 states have survived so far. I think maybe New Jersey and Oregon can let it go. At the same time, though, now that we're here, it's kind of convenient not to have to get out of my car and pump gas.
0: <laughs> but as convenient as that is, Oregon gas prices are higher than neighboring states. Yes, because you have to pay somebody to be at the pumps, right? And so,
1: and um, sometimes it can take longer depending on how many cars are there to get gas and how many people they have working. It's pretty much always taking longer. Well, like
0: when we were on the road trip, we obviously had to fill our car up, like you know, a bunch. I mean, a bunch, of times. a bunch of times um, yeah. throughout all the different states, and. I would say there's never been a time whenever I've got gas in Oregon where it was the same speed as right. me doing it myself.
1: Right. Because I you mean, have to wait. I the weigh... pros definitely don't outweigh the cons or whatever. But if it is if anyway. it's cold,
0: rainy, you know, whatever. You don't have to get out of your car, which is super nice. Yeah. Um, but you are paying for it. Like not, you don't have to tip. You don't, it's like, right. it's not.
1: It's just like 10 cents more expensive per gallon or whatever. Maybe something. not even that much, but. Generally, it's not worth it. That's the, the whole point. Yeah. It's a dumb rule. Sometimes it's convenient.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So those were some major ones and we're running low on time. So I have uh, like 15 more. Well, We'll just do rapid fire. Okay. Um, beach squirrels.
1: Oh, yeah. Beach squirrels. They are in California. I'm sure there are other places, but it's like a big problem in California. And so we were in Ventura and we just kept seeing all these squirrels hanging around the rocks. And on so the on the beach. So we looked it up, and apparently it's a huge problem right now. They're just being overrun with squirrels. And um, the uh, really, that's just it. But yeah,
0: people keep feeding them. They keep living there. Yeah. The, the well, squirrels themselves aren't any different than any other ground squirrel. They just are ground squirrels and yeah. they live on the beach because people feed them on the beach.
1: And they are not shy about coming up to you. But also, the thing that I'm curious about that I know is. Not true. Whatever. Anyway, the thing that makes me think all the time about animals, I'm like, do you realize you get to live on the beach, though? Mm-hmm. Like, you have it better than all the other squirrels. Do you know that? I wish you could know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, anyway,
1: it's a big problem, as is uh, seaweed in yes. California right now. It's being washed up on the beaches like crazy. Yep. For probably global warming, climate change stuff, I think.
0: I, we looked that up, and I do have seaweed on the list, but- I don't remember exactly what we learned about seaweed i just i don't either um we did it i did learn that seaweed like comes in this oh, huge
1: it's weird like
0: i don't know even how to describe it it's like,
1: like almost plasticky yeah it's not but it's not plastic it it's looks like, like it would be slimy but it's like not. rubbery plastic and, like and you can really like, pop hard it
0: Yeah, if you step on it, like they make this really loud popping sound.
1: Yeah, it's really gross, actually. It kind of grossed me out.
0: But whenever I picked it up, I expected it to be like slimy.
1: Yeah, like like, like, wet hard, but it wasn't.
0: Yeah, it was like (laughs) this hard plastic whip.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did pick some up and started whipping it around Yeah, and there were some that,
0: like, I couldn't, like, the diameter was so thick that I couldn't wrap my whole hand around it. Yeah. And then, obviously, there's, like, little bitty ones, too, but.
1: Yeah, seaweed um, is interesting. I highly recommend examining it if you ever get a chance.
0: (laughs) Um, Elephant seals.
1: I love and am so grossed out by elephant seals. (laughs) Elephant seals are, well, the females are just like regular seals, but bigger. That's, like, they look just like regular seals. Um, but they can get up to 1800 pounds. And then the male elephant seals can get up to 5000 pounds and they look gross and they make these gross noises with their nose and it's kind of like a snorting. Mm-hmm. And it like flaps in in this the air. It's disgusting. And they
0: have like basically little trunks, which is why they're called elephant seals. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like an elephant trunk, but right.
1: But it's just like the very beginning of a. Yeah. And it it makes gross noises, and they're ugly and disgusting, and lots of blubber. And they come up, come up on land, for in this one beach specifically in California for mating and molting mm-hmm. or something like that, and. Um, But the thing that I find the most fascinating about them is that they come up on land, but they can't actually walk. Like their fins are so little and they are so big that they just like flop. Yeah. But there's so much blubber that they can only flop for like two flops and then they have to take a 10 minute break. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: The Elephant Seal Beach that we stopped at, I believe it was just north of Solvang, California.
1: It's called Elephant Seal Vista Point. Yeah. Yeah. Is where we stopped.
0: And I, I think it was like a couple it's hours on the way north to Big Sur. of
1: LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's fascinating that, because elephant seals, it seems, kind of defy nature. And that's why I found them fascinating.
0: Yeah. Um, mini horses.
1: I have no purpose whatsoever. But yes. they're cute.
0: <laughs> we went to a mini horse farm. Um and I basically was like curious. Okay, what, what the what's the purpose of this mini horse?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, one mini horses do not exist in nature. We bred mini horses in the same way that we bred all breeds breeds of dogs. Right. Um. So we just uh, bred. I mean, I I don't know if you would say we. I don't.
1: You probably mm. just made it the runts of the litters. Yeah, together I I, did, I until... didn't know
0: if I wanted to say like the smallest horses if we were breeding ponies because I'm not for sure on that
1: mm-hmm. part.
0: But what I do know for sure is that we bred them down to be mini horses and mini horses themselves have no use whatsoever other than being mini horses.
1: It's kind of like, I mean, they're cute or whatever, but it makes me feel kind of gross for being a human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we just, we did this for also- literally no reason except for our entertainment. And it's not, doesn't it make their life worse? Cause they just sit around and like have no purpose. And like, I would imagine they have more health issues because that's always what happens. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if they have more health issues or not, but I was just thinking, but do does a regular horse have purpose other than the purpose that we as humans have made it have, which actually made their life worse off than what it would have been if they were just a wild animal?
1: I don't know. Maybe nothing. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Right.
0: <laughs> but like we, I was just saying, like they, they don't have a purpose. But yeah, but they can't an go animal, run free
1: in the wild. But does an
0: animal need a purpose? That is the thing though, I guess, is that we we have created them and now we have to take care of them because can and they we survive ju- in the wild?
1: We just know. created them for our own entertainment. And that right. I think is the icky part. Yeah. It's not that like, Oh, we found a use for real horses, you know, but that sucks too. We took them out of their mm-hmm. environment and put them in captivity, just like whales and everything right. else. And the,
0: the language we use about that literally is that you have to break a horse.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, icky. But it's also icky to create something for pure entertainment and force it to live in captivity forever. I don't
0: know what my like opinion or, you know, morals are on. The point
1: is mini horses are cute but useless.
0: (laughs) You know, it's it's sad in some ways. Um, So the drive through tree.
1: Oh, so not worth it.
0: Um, mostly what we learned about the drive through tree, you know, there's like this whole romantic idea of like, oh, there's this tree you can drive through.
1: In the redwoods.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, well, that doesn't exist in nature. Those, all, all of the drive through trees were created. Um, yeah. They
1: were carved out, obviously. They were carved out by people and yeah. then they charge you to go through it. And it's so underwhelming and so tourist, uh, a tourist trap Yeah, is what it is. It's not a tourist attraction because that's different. Mm-hmm. A tourist trap is something you should never fall for and that yeah. is what the drive-through trees are. <laughs> Cuz
0: basically they're charging you $3 to see a tree that they cut the middle of it out to pull your car through. Maybe that's enjoyable. I mean, it's not that it wasn't enjoyable, but it was just very disheartening the fact that we learned Oh wait, these drive-through trees that you hear about aren't like naturally growing things I that happened and were... you're like, "Oh my gosh, the tree was so big and it grew in this weird way that you can drive your car through it."
1: Yes, that's, that's what, what I is. thought it was. And uh, it's not. Yeah. So
0: Some of them kind of started out where they were growing in a weird way but ultimately though it was
1: ultimately it, it's tourism yeah, ruining um, things
0: so <laughs> um semi drafting um so we were driving behind a, a semi and we were uh basically gotten to the discussion of of whether or not uh drafting actually works right um the mythbusters um have already done experiments on this to see whether it works or not and there is, uh, I don't have it written down here, but they're essentially, yes, drafting does work um, at a very specific point. Yes. So you can be too close to a semi. And it, and it actually makes your gas mileage worse. Yes. Um, and if you are too far away, similar thing. It's either doesn't help at all or it actually makes it worse. Now, there's this little pocket at a dangerous following level that you should not do. Yeah. Um, it's
1: not safe because the semi can't see you. Right. Um,
0: and also stopping distance and you know all of, that. all of that type of thing. But you can actually increase your gas mileage by following a semi at a very specific level. Um, distance but it is not recommended by me nor by uh the truckers of the world
1: (laughs) (laughs) they don't appreciate it yeah
0: um although my dad did it a lot when we were driving
1: of course Um, (laughs) because your dad is not a (laughs) great driver
0: (laughs) so on the same vein of safe driving distance uh i was wondering like what is the safest driving distance in any scenario and i've kind of heard the the answer that i found i've basically heard my whole life but yeah. it confirmed that it is what it is. That if you're following at any speed, you should re- basically stay four or five seconds behind the car in front of you. Yeah. Um. And if so, if the car in front of you is driving, they pass like a bridge or a pole or something. At the moment the back bumper hits that point, you can begin counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, and then you should then be hitting that you know same spot you should be yeah. passing the pole um within that 4 to 5 seconds and that applies at any speed
1: yeah which is insane to me because there's no way i would follow that far behind in city limits
0: but that's the thing if you are going 10 miles an hour you could you our cars would actually only be one car length apart or two car lengths apart because at that same if at that speed when their car passes it One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, you know, and then, and then we hit it. It, If we're going now, if we scale it up to 75 miles an hour, right, we have to be way further apart.
1: Oh, so basically, I follow too close everywhere is what I'm learning, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it maybe it might have been, uh, I'm sorry I didn't look this up before I started recording, but. It, it was it was within the three to five seconds, um, like yeah. within there. But the the thing that I guess I was curious about whenever I looked it up was like, okay, whenever we're going thirty five miles an hour, how far should, should we be? Like yeah. when we're going eighty miles an hour on the highway, like how far should we be? But that seconds rule applies at any speed because it scales down and up, right? Um, you know, right. It's just whenever you're going slow, you're going to basically be right behind the car, but it just takes you know so much longer to pass the same point.
1: That makes sense.
0: Um, also. Mississippi River, passed it on my way to Mississippi. Mississippi. (laughs) And I wondered, did Mississippi get its name from the Mississippi River or was the Mississippi River named for the state? Mm -hmm. Also, there's the Arkansas River. There's the Colorado River. All of these rivers are named after one particular state, even though the river itself goes through like five or six states. Um, From everything that I found, I didn't look up every uh, river in the whole country that's named the same as a state. But of the ones that I did look up, the river was there first. Mm. And most commonly, because uh, the river was named by a Native American tribe or after a Native American tribe, and that was, you know, the Mississippi River was named. um, Then the, the Mississippi River specifically, I believe it was that the the French uh, kind of pronunciation, or the the French way to say the way of the American, like the Native American word mm-hmm. was, you know, whatever it was, and then the way the French pronounced that word was very similar to Mississippi, and Why so it, French. Uh, I mean, because we're Americans, come from all over, you know, okay. Like so it was just like a settlement, and, okay. yeah. Um, and so then in English, we you know took the most common way yeah. to say it which you know the french were all saying however they said mississippi and then in english we started saying mississippi
1: yeah just it, like how we say a la carte and yeah. all that stuff
0: um and so mississippi river was named mississippi river by the native americans um the uh, french settlers started saying the word and however they said it and then we adopted it as the river name then the state came and said oh look there's the river we'll take that name thank you very much um <laughs> same thing with arkansas river uh mm-hmm. you know native american um, so just
1: whichever state got there first really
0: yeah i don't know uh i don't know if it was the if it was there first or they just the like the river was running through these other states and they were like well we could just call it this river name or hmm. know, whatever interesting so yeah that's uh mississippi for you <laughs> also oh th- mm. secondly it was interesting That I was on the road trip, I was uh, riding with a guy who was born in the UK, Mm -hmm. and we were in the Mississippi, and I was like, hey, do you know how to spell Mississippi? Um, And he had an American father who had taught him the M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Or, as my uh, grandpa
1: said, M-I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, humpback, humpback, I. Wow. Yep.
0: But then that got us (laughs) talking about why... Are the all why are do we have all of these? Um, what do you call those like learning devices or whatever? Like to spell Mississippi, but no, none of us in the car could think of another learning device that people had for how to spell any other state except for Mississippi. And every it's like every single Hmm. um grade school kid in America learns how to spell Mississippi.
1: Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's it's like stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why. It's just, weird. A, it's just
0: interesting. I mean, I, it is like if you were to try to spell Mississippi yeah. off the top of your head and you never learned any learning, like how completely different to learn than it, what I would spell. I mean, yes, <laughs> you do need the M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I to get there um, in the same way that I need a B E A U T I F U L in order to spell beautiful every time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Um. I think basically the whole point of I, this is very like uh, I guess you would say shallow podcast. Like, but it's really just about like learning how to be curious, you know? Mm-hmm. I think um, it's like the thing we say all the time, read the plaque mm-hmm. that applies to literally everything. If you see something and you don't know why it is the way it is, just Google it. Right. Like a quick Wikipedia page is sufficient to like learn something new. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like super involved.
0: Right. And also if – From everything that I've heard about aging, like the best way to fight aging is to learn.
1: Yeah, it's like a brain game.
0: And you don't have to be learning like some sophisticated like neuroscience or something. It's like if you're learning, you're learning. So if you stay curious, you're always learning. And if you're always learning, then you're uh, fighting, uh, you know, bad aging. (laughs) Brain decomposing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a lot of times we get um, overwhelmed, I think, by, oh, I need to learn all these things or I need to be this smart or I need to do, you know, whatever. And it's really, it's not that hard. If you don't know how to be curious, just like the next time you wonder something, just it's not, it's not difficult. Just read a sentence about it. Mm -hmm. And then that's all you have to do.
0: I do, though. I wonder if you can, I wonder if you can actually make yourself care about things because yes. I care about stuff. Like, I, like if I think of something, like, I find that I'm the one in the car who asked the questions. And I'm like, I wonder how long, how big that, you know, a wind turbine is. Right. Nobody else in the car was wondering that. And some people in the car, even after I pointed out, don't give a rip. Right. Like, there's just, there's no part of them that is like, oh, yeah, that would be interesting to know. Like, right. so everybody's different. And there are some people that just don't care um can the person who doesn't care is that a trait that it will always be there or can they make themselves care no
1: i think you can that's what i'm trying to say is that if you're not a naturally curious person and you don't know how to be curious just like it's just like a a a practice or a habit like you just you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like nobody wants to like eat super healthy and exercise all the time. But it's just a habit that because you know, it's good for you. And then you end up loving going on a run. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the same idea. Like you're you're just exercising your brain. And I think you can make yourself love it and interested and curious and whatever.
0: That's a good place to end. Um, so thank you guys for listening to Deeply Curious. If you have some deeply curious things that you have pondered upon on the road, Uh, Tweet at us um, at Deeply Curious FM. Just share your uh, anecdotes and things that you learned while traveling the country or the world.
1: Or not traveling at all. Just fun facts. (laughs) (laughs) I love fun facts. (laughs) Uh,
0: So, again, thank you guys for listening. If you want deeper access or exclusive content from us or you just you know, love the show and you want to support us as we continue to uh, make videos and make podcasts uh, and put all this stuff out into the world. All of this stuff takes resources. Um, We have to spend our time, our efforts and energy doing this to put it out, which means that we're not uh, creating income for ourselves in Mm -hmm. other ways. Um, So if you just want to be a part of what we're doing and help uh, support us as we do that, you can do that by going to jensenav.club. That is our Patreon page. There are different levels Um, the crew staff associate producer producer um, and director levels all come with their own perks um, and every level is majorly helpful as we continue to do this in the future yes Um, all right that's it and we will see you next
1: week bye